Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. Uh, We've got a really special guest, and I was able to interview Aaron Curry in person, uh, which is always fun to get the the face-to-face conversation. It was at a golf tournament and uh, just had a great conversation. Really appreciated his uh, just openness, and uh, he was just a lot of fun. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. And then after the interview, I'll give you my takeaway, like I always do. And and so I uh, want to encourage you as well to check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to our devotional. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, be sure you do that as well. And so right now, let's jump right in. We are here broadcasting from Top Golf for an event benefiting the Harvest Center of Charlotte, where proceeds from this event support their transitional housing program designed to move homeless men and women from lives of dependency to empowerment and self-sufficiency. And right now, I'm joined by a, a former linebacker who played his college football at Wake Forest. He was a first-team All-American and the Butkus Award winner. He was drafted fourth overall in the 2009 NFL Draft by the Seattle Seahawks. He also played for the Oakland Raiders in 2011 and 2012. Since retiring in 2013, he spent time as a defensive line coach for the Charlotte 49ers and is currently the defensive coordinator for Charlotte Country Day. I'm pleased to welcome Aaron Curry to Unpacking It. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. How Bryce, are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Man, we're, we're psyched to have you. And, and first off, we're playing a little golf today. How's, how's the game going? How, what, what do you think of this top golf? <laughs> oh, man, it's been exciting. Uh, my swing's feeling smooth. The ball's looking good. I'm having a blast being out here with all these people. Very cool. Glad to have you here and a part of the show today. And we just recently finished up the, the NFL draft. And, and so I'm sure that, that this brings a lot of memories back to you. So, so what are some of the things that come to mind when, when the NFL draft takes place each year? Oh, man, just um, how crazy the process is for all those prospects. The really good ones, um, you know, the ones that are going to go in the top ten all the way to the ones that are going to get picked in the seventh round. Just the process is so crazy, and there's so much uncertainty. And you never know if uh, you're going to get drafted until somebody calls you. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, the, the top quarterbacks or, or the top receivers or whatever position may be, they don't know until the phone rings. And, you, and, you, and so it's just revisiting from outside in those emotions that I experienced just sitting there and waiting to figure out who I was going to get a chance to go play for. Because how much of what you were told beforehand <laughs> came true or what was that like? Um, so there were, there were two scenarios that I was told beforehand. Um, the first scenario was with the Detroit Lions, and uh, Martin Mayhew called me the night before the draft to tell me that they had just finished uh, Matthew Stafford's contract oh. so that they were going to take him the one overall. So I knew that scenario was out. And the third, the second scenario was the third pick with the Chiefs. Oh, okay. And I remember having a dinner with them. Um, I remember going visit with them. And so when I, when I got the news about Stafford, I thought, okay, I'm going to Kansas City. And then they picked um, the defensive lineman from LSU. Dorsey? Uh, no, Tyson Jackson, I think his name oh, was. Okay. But big old joker. Um, and then from that point, I got like, 
I had no clue what was going to happen. Oh, so you hadn't been talking to Seattle. I worked out for them once. I didn't visit their facilities. Wow. Um, I didn't do a... Um, I didn't do a combine interview with them, per se. Yep. The player development guy, he was doing all the rookies' interviews. Um, but I worked out for them once. It was brief. Um, there wasn't, like, any questioning or anything like that. It was kind of like, let me see what you can do. So when um, they picked me, I was shocked. Wow. I was, like, they weren't even... <laughs> so you didn't my, have their number in your phone or wait, anything? It was just weird because they had, you know, they had Lofa already. They had Leroy Hill. And so it's like, okay, I was just doing the numbers. Like, they don't need a linebacker. Who's next? And uh, then they called, and I was just – I was shocked. I was surprised, but I was excited. Wow, that, that's cool. So we're talking with Aaron Curry here on Unpacking It. And, and so as you think back to that, that time with the draft and then, then also your rookie year, what, what do you wish you knew at that time? And, and what do you think these rookies – need to know or don't know as they're as they're heading into the, this this process and this next phase you know i think the biggest thing i wish i had done or wish i'd have known as a rookie was um trusting the process hmm. and understanding that you are now at ground zero wow and it's time to rebuild and you have to start everything over hmm. you may have been developed and coached and taught some certain stuff but you have to humble yourself and understand that you're entering a whole new level of football. Mm. And it's the same process that, you know, I took as a, a freshman at Wake Forest. I knew that I had to go in there and compete for something. Um, and then I just think as a rookie, every rookie has to know and you have to understand that you're starting from the beginning once again. And it's not something to be afraid of. It's just something to understand so that you know that the things that you did in college, they're, they were good for your college, and that's about all they're good for. Wow. Nothing you did in school is is good for you in college and in, in the pros. Mm. So that's what you got: new coaches, new coordinators, new teammates, new city, new like everything's new. And players, rookies, the faster they adapt to the new, the better they'll come along. The faster they'll come along. Because do, do you think the the mindset of a first rounder, for instance, that's that's kind of the issue because they the expectations are there and and and. The, the pressure is on the, the first-rounders. The attention is on the first-rounders. Absolutely. And so what, what is that shift then mentally? That, that I think that, you know, I, I never forget the, me showing up to, like, it was like the first rookie minicamp, and um, they called a defense out there. And I'm, like, standing on the sideline trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, they're like, yo, we're missing the Sam linebacker. We're missing the Sam linebacker. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Mind my business. And, um... Uh, <laughs> Jim Moore, Curry, you're in. There's no waiting. So I was like, oh, okay, and I just jumped in there. Yeah. Um, so it's like you know, you're 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 flirting that that balance of working to get something and kind of being given something. Yeah. Uh, but not seeing it the right way. I think I saw it as more of a privilege than a responsibility. You know, I kind of saw it like. Okay, I have a responsibility to be the starting linebacker. If I thought, I think if I'd have saw it that way, mm. the approach would have been different mm. uh, in comparison to you know some NFL mentalities. Are I mean, I'm I'm a starter because I'm here. I'm yeah. a starter because of the salary cap. You know, it's just it and, is and what it is. And, and the draft pick, it's yeah. just it is what it is. And kind of balancing those two responsibility and kind of like you know I, I get to do this just because I was the fourth pick. 
That's the tricky part. And I think the guys, I think that's why fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round guys do so good. Because they, they just know that one false step, they can lose their job. And they're out to prove something. And they're out to prove to the whole world that instead of taking Curry fourth overall, they should have took me. That's right. Absolutely. Wow. Aaron Curry, our guest right now on Unpacking It. We're here at Top Golf uh, for a, a benefit golf tournament for the Harvest Center of Charlotte. And, and so uh, as you even you, you didn't expect to go to Seattle. So what did you think of your time in Seattle with the Seahawks? <laughs> how, how used to it did you get and all that sort of thing? You know, it was, um, it was an interesting transition for myself. The time in Seattle, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all great. Um, I think I really came to life when Coach Norton got there. Mm, Ken Norton. Ken Norton Jr. There was something about him. Uh, well, I know what it was now, but it was he was just always brutally honest. Mm. He wouldn't pat you on the back just for the sake of patting you on the back. He didn't care what draft pick you were. All he wanted to do was get the most out of me. And he challenged me every day to be better mm. and to get better. And even I never forget, even when I got benched, he pulled me in his office and was like, look, this is not like... This is not a time where you quit. Mm. He told me this is where you go out there and you prepare like you're going to play on on Sunday and you prove everybody wrong and you put out good tape for the other 31 teams. And, you know, just having conversations with him um, meant a lot to me. He really, he he had more of an impact on my mental than he had on my physical. Oh, okay. He really got me back to what I was accustomed to being like when I was at Wake. Mm. He he got that, you know, that hunger out of me. He got that fire out of me, which, you know, I was so grateful to have. Oh, that's neat. We're talking with Aaron Curry here on Unpacking It. And and so you end up re- retiring in, in 2013, and, and since then you've gotten into coaching. Yeah. So so speaking of your, your coach, Ken Norton, what, what, what have – you maybe even taken from him and incorporated into your style of coaching, but but how did you decide that that was the direction you wanted to go? Oh man, that's a story in itself. Oh, okay, well, cool. I'll say here's what I'll say: what Coach Norton was to me, I am to every human being that I coach. Man, and I'm like I'm full speed energetic. I'm full speed honest, and um, I could be extremely demanding, but I, I don't ever feel like I'm over the top. Uh, my job as a coach is to help players maximize themselves mm. and be the best that they can possibly be. Um, I knew I wanted to coach when I got to Oakland. The first year I had a lot of success. I had a blast playing. Uh, the second year I was injured. So I started the year off on the uh, physically unable to perform list. And so I had to decide at that moment uh, what, would I, what was I going to do with my mind Mm. because I couldn't do anything with my body. Mm. And i uh never forget Rolando McClain and Miles Burris and um, helping those guys go through the playbook in a different perspective. Mm. Like, Rolando was extremely smart, mm. extremely smart. Like he knew everything about football. His football IQ was through the roof. He could lead us. He could line us up. But helping him... You know, maybe see things from uh, like watching film, what the OC's thinking or what the DC should be thinking in this scenario was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. And Miles Burrs was a rookie, 
And I never forget the look on his face. When he first came out to practice, he had that look of, what have I got myself into? Oh, man. And, like, from that moment, I just said, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my mind. I'm going to use my brain to help this young man have as much success as, as he can have, even though he's playing my position. Hmm. Which is hard to do. Which is really hard to do. And um, so that year, just coaching him, teaching him, teaching him how to study the playbook, teaching him how to study film, talking him through tendencies, teaching him how to adjust to certain downs and distance. When I look back on it, I realized that's what I was really good at, that I was in love with the idea of watching Miles Burris make a TFL, come to the sideline and say, yo, AC, thank you. Man. for teaching me this. And so that I found so much joy in that. And then the whole time this man's playing my position. <laughs> right? and I'm like I'm like 3 weeks away from uh fully recovered. Man. And I had this again make a decision with my mind am I going to continue to help this young man get better mm. or do I pull off of it to give myself a better opportunity. And I just you know I just felt just called to just keep pushing. And keep pushing and keep pushing and in those day in those days I fell in love with the idea of helping somebody achieve their goals. That, so, that, and that's what a coach is all about. And that's what a, that's what they should be about. They should be. That's true. <laughs> so I um and that's kind of where I fell in love with the idea of maximizing potential and you know teaching guys how to play the game, um, not just the X's and O's, but just your approach mentally because of what I lacked when I first got to Seattle. And then I learned all this stuff from Coach Norton. So it was just like the the timing of it was perfect. The circumstance was perfect. The environment was perfect. And uh, and I was just really excited to watch Miles go out there and make a whole lot of plays. So so how much did that factor into retirement? What was that whole process like in knowing that, all right, after this I, I know that I can coach or want to coach? Yeah, so I um I think that year I knew – that I was supposed to be coaching. Um, Coach Lambert had just took the job at UNC Charlotte, um, and I, we were all, we were just having a conversation. He said, "You ever thought about coaching?" I said, "Yeah, I think so." I came down, I worked out a little bit, but I was still chasing this NFL dream. I knew what I was I knew what I was supposed to be doing, mm. but I decided on my own to go, you know, play for the Giants in the off season, and you know. Got released in the third uh, preseason week, ah. and I realized that there was somewhere else I was supposed to be. That's cool. And I got immediately into coaching at UNC Charlotte in the weight room. Man, so that's that's where the, the coaching career began. We're talking with Aaron Curry right now on Unpacking It. We're, we're at a, a top golf tournament benefiting the Harvest Center of Charlotte. And, and Aaron, we, we love hearing uh, the, the story uh, kind of on the field and, and what you, you've been through, but also love to hear uh, about a guy's faith and, mm. and, and the faith journey. And so I'll, I'll ask you this question. How has Jesus changed your life? Oh, my gosh. It's a big one. Man, so February 26, 2011, the year and a half leading up to that date, Jesus changed my life through two men, three men, Matt Hasselbeck, um, Justin Forsett, mm. and uh, Pastor Carl Payne. And those three men, I don't know if they were intentional or what, but Hasselbeck's way of 
helping me in the midst of all the mess that I was going through as a player, understanding how it was affecting me as a person. Um, Forsett the same way of just kind of not hit me inside the head with a Bible, hmm. but just telling me things like, yo, just it's going to be okay. Just relax. And Carl Payne was, he could, I guess he could just read my body language. And all the time, he always said the right things at the right time. And um, so those guys, those three men, they shepherded me for a long, long time. And I got baptized in 2011 on February 26th. It's awesome. And, you know, just from that point on, man, Jesus has taught me to be patient with people, have grace for folks, mm. to live life with a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of effort and not be, too, not be concerned with shortcomings, not be concerned with making mistakes, but to just give it everything you got mm. and do everything out of love. And through that, I've been transformed to just live life really fast and just full speed and giving everything, everything I have. And if it comes up the way I want it to come up, awesome. If it doesn't, Jesus is still great and Amen. things are going to go well for me. Gosh, that's awesome. And and love love hearing that and, and to, to think of the, the veteran players having an impact on you as, as well is, is cool to hear. And, and today seeing you with your, your sons, what, yeah. what has fatherhood been like for you? Oh, man. I don't think I personally, I know for sure that without Christ, I wouldn't be, I mean, it'd be hard for me. Mm. The patience. The and, patience, the grace, the understanding, yep. the love, the, under, the, the knowing that I have to, whatever I do, they're going to get something out of it. Mm. They're going to get some sort of information, whether good or bad. And knowing that I have a um, responsibility as a man of God to protect my men, my, my, all my kids and my wife from what I can protect them from and pray for them and love on them and be there for them. That's right. uh, it's been awesome. And I, I do think that through the spirit, I've been empowered to just, like I tell myself all the time, like my oldest, he's only eight. So when he does, like when he does things, the spirit reminds me, like here he's only eight. He's not, you know, yep. he's not twenty. And so it's been, uh, it's just been a blast, just being able to shepherd them and show them that you know, you can be yourself mm-hmm. and have a life full of grace and love, and you can be a Christian and you can love Jesus and you can be yourself, and you don't you don't have to walk some sort of like you know fictional path of perfection. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. That's great, man. Well, speaking of them, you better go find them. They're they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're hitting golf they're balls or something. Hopefully they're hitting golf balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're not hitting anyone. So, but but Aaron, great to to meet you today, and really appreciate you coming on, unpacking it, and and love your story, and and uh, wish you the best coaching country day. Yeah. So, so keep it up. That's appreciate awesome. you, Bryce. Thanks a lot, man. That was a fun one. I hope you enjoyed that, and I think we'll have him on again to to go even more in depth into his story uh, we were in you know uh, at, at an event and so uh, we couldn't go fully into all the details uh, but I would like to do that uh, another time so uh, I just think there's a lot more to unpack with his life and his career but my big takeaway from his story was how he got injured and that was when it was revealed to him or it really clicked that being a coach 
was what he wanted to do, what he was interested in doing, and, and had the ability to do. And it's so interesting. A lot of these guys I interview for this podcast, we end up talking about the season of their life when they were injured. And it always seems like it's it's bad on the surface, but the, the amount of just fruit that comes from it and the opportunity for God to really move in those seasons is is evident because we hear about it almost every week, it seems. And so specifically, what, what stands out to me today is how in life, when something is taken away from us or we walk away from something or something just ends up stopping or it's on hold, it's in those moments that we're able to receive something else or the next task is given to us. The, the next step is revealed. And, and so for Aaron, it was you get injured. Now all of a sudden you have this opportunity to coach your teammates, which is crazy, but in regards to your playing linebacker. I mean, these guys are going to take your job, essentially. So that's always a, a touchy subject. But he realized just how passionate he was about coaching. And, and so I know for me, I can think back to two specific seasons of life where my job had ended or it was on hiatus and I didn't know what was going to happen next. And both times it was revealed to me, this is what I have for you. And, and so it was time with the Lord and, and, and just made it very evident that something else uh, was next and that, that God was leading me in a, in a, in a different direction. And it, it was made possible or it, be, it became more evident because I was searching and I wasn't focused on my previous job or I wasn't as, as enthralled or, or involved with what was going on previously. And so I was more open. And, and so I, I think God uses that over and over in our lives. And so it was cool to hear about Aaron Curry. And, and so if you're in that season right now, just be open. Be open to seeing, okay, maybe I got to think outside the box instead of being so disappointed. Oh, I'm injured. I'm injured. I'm injured. Wait, now I have an opportunity to coach. So whatever that looks like in your own life, I hope that that's an encouragement to you. So thanks for listening to the Unpacking It podcast. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you thought about today's show. Bryce at unpackingit.com. Subscribe to the devotional. Subscribe to this podcast. And I hope that you will join us next time. And until that time, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. And I hope that you will join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. This has been Unpacking It where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Have a great one. Thanks for listening.